Come with me on a journey of uncovering the layers of deception and find out how to really get and stay well. Welcome to the Uncensored Nurse Podcast. So I made a post today on sudden infant death syndrome and how it is currently relating to sudden adult death syndrome. And the main thing that I am seeing is, number one, y'all are woke AF and I am so proud of everybody for waking up to all of this. I think that the last two years and all of the push for the COVID vaccine and everything has really, really made a made people look at what was actually happening with these vaccines. And it made them look at the actual childhood schedule because they were like, wait a second, this one is wonky. We're not sure about this one, but let me go look at all of the other ones. And this is something that I have been looking into far before COVID happened um, because my daughter was vaccine injured. And I'll tell that story on another episode one day, but I made this post on Facebook today and a lot of you are probably here because you saw that post. It's It's been blowing up. It's only been up for like an hour. There's like over 500 reactions on it, a bunch of comments. And the conversation came up about childhood vaccines and studies about efficacy. So A lot of people say um, in the medical community, and to be truthful, um, this is something that has started to really be questioned, and it's the safety and effectiveness of these childhood vaccines. So if you need a place to start, I'm going to link all of these in the show notes, but if you need a place to start, the, the place where I started was my best friend's testimony. You can see that in episode three, episode three, you can listen to that. And then I watched the documentary Vaxxed. And you can find it for free. It's at vaxedthemovie.com. And it was all about the MMR vaccine. And I was like, huh, all of these kids, it's the same story. It's the same story over and over and over and over again. And it's like, how many times can we have the same story? And it's coincidence. How many times can the families of these children be dealing with the same issues, the same issues, the same issues, and it's just an unrelated coincidence. I don't think that that's the case. So I watched Vax the movie, um, and that was really, really eye-opening for me. If you've got younger kids, I recommend watching the first one first, um, and then you might um, relate more to the second one that came out um, if you have older kids, because that one is... um, all about the Gardasil vaccine and the HPV vaccine. So that one is more for if your kids are a little bit older. Either either of them are going to wake you up um, and they're going to make you start questioning things. And the, um, the second one also goes into what I'm going to talk about today, which is parents who have children who were vaccinated and ev- most of them had a reaction. So when they had their second child, They didn't give them any vaccines and the stark differences between these two children or three children or six children or however many they have is out of control. So I'm going to run through, I have this, I will link um, this document in the show notes so that you can have it and access it. I saved this um, probably three or four years ago when I came across this um, 
study that was published. I don't think that they actually did the study, but um, Children's Health Defense found this study. It was done in 1999, and it was all of the differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated children. So I'm going to read these off for you, and um, it's going to blow your mind. So um, DTP and tetanus vaccination. So here's a piece of information. You can't get just a tetanus vaccine now. They don't exist. They are all connected with the DTaP. So it's diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus. You cannot separate them. Um, just a little backstory before I go into this, this is kind of be gonna kind of be like a little of a, um, random episode, but as, as I go through these things, it's going to spark stories for me. So when I first started going down a holistic route, I started seeing this, um, nutrition response testing doctor who was a chiropractor and he was very, um, against vaccines. He was very into holistic, um, medicine. He's a Christian. And he was like, listen, they make that crap with aborted fetal cells. I don't want any part of it. Um, so that was his stance. He also is like a super big homesteader. Um, and he was, he told me a story that he was chopping wood And he chopped his finger um, and it was really bad. He couldn't fix it at home. He had to go to the hospital um, and he went to the ER to get stitches or whatever. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but they talked him into getting a DTaP for the tetanus. Now, here's a piece of information about tetanus. If a wound bleeds and it is not come in contact with feces, you cannot get tetanus. It's an anaerobic bug. Here's another thing. Um, you cannot have immunity to tetanus for two weeks after you get the shot. So how good does it do? You got a cut, you have an injury, you get a tetanus shot. It doesn't kick in for two weeks. It makes no sense. That's neither here nor there. So he gets this Tdap vaccine because remember I said they don't separate the tetanus from the diphtheria and the pertussis anymore. It's all in one. So he gets this vaccine and he got so ill. He said, I understand why babies cry after they have their vaccines because I, he literally said, I almost died. He was in such a dire state and he couldn't believe that we are giving babies this thing and it's called it causes encephalopathy which is swelling of the brain and they call it the DTaP scream when babies have this DTaP um vaccine they scream so he had all of this and he was like I cannot believe that we give this to babies and they cannot tell us what is happening they're just crying so that's a little backstory on the DTaP and the tetanus so here is some information. DTaP and tetanus vaccinations increase the odds of allergies by 1.63 times these children are getting allergies. The odds of having any allergy-related respiratory symptom in the last 12 months was 63% greater among vaccinated subjects than unvaccinated subjects. Conclusion, DTaP or tetanus vaccination appears to increase the risk of allergies and related respiratory symptoms in children or adults. Think about your own kids. Do they have allergies? Are they unexplained? 
Do they get respiratory illnesses all the time? That was my daughter. Um, hep B, let's talk about hepatitis B. Let's first talk about the fact that hepatitis is a sexually transmitted disease and the medical community's theory for vaccinating all children against hepatitis B is we don't know who's a crack whore. We don't know what your sexual life is like. We don't know if you have this. And I'm thinking of myself. I was married. I had been with my husband for eight years. I had not had any sexual partners besides my husband during those eight year periods. I trusted him and knew that he was also in the same boat. I didn't have hepatitis when I had my baby. Why does she need a hepatitis B vaccine at birth? So hepatitis B vaccines increase the odds for special education needs by 8.63%. So the vaccinated children have IES support, or I'm sorry, the vaccinated children had um, EIP, that's the word I'm looking for, um, support for special education. The odds of receiving educational special services were approximately nine times as great for vaccinated boys as for unvaccinated boys. That is incredible. Nine times more likely to need special ed services. Oh, let's see. Here's another one about Hep V. Um, the CDC's unpublished Verastratin, I can put, I don't know how to pronounce that, um, study on Hep B showed drastic increases of the risk of autism, sleep disorders, speech disorders, and neurodevelopmental disorders. So autism, 7.6 times greater risk if you're vaccinated. Sleep disorders, Let's talk about the kids that can't sleep, the babies that sleep regress, all of these things. I bet you can tie it back and look at the evidence and it goes back to their shot records. Um, five times more likely to have sleep disorders, two times more likely to have speech disorders, and 1.8 times more likely to have neurodevelopmental disorders. So I'll just be completely transparent with you. My daughter had all of her vaccines up to the age of two. Um, and she did not have any autism risks, um, and she slept usually fine. However, she had to go to speech when she was three years old because there was um, probably 30 to 35% of the alphabet that she couldn't pronounce. Um, she's six and a half years old now. She still has a little bit of... Um, everybody says that it's her cute little accent and I'm like, eh, I think it's a speech impediment, but here we are. Um, she's made leaps and bounds, but, um, speech disorder. I lived through that. We had to go through all of that and neurodevelopmental disorders. Um, she didn't necessarily have a neuro disorder, but she did have a drooping face, almost like a Bell's palsy type of situation with her mouth. Um, and those all got more pronounced after her vaccines. Um, Hepatitis B vaccines in male newborns increase the odds of autism by three and three times, three times more likely. Um, here's something that's really interesting: the flu shot. So, I have not been a proponent of the flu shot for a long time. Um, which I don't know how. I guess cognitive dissonance. I didn't have the wherewithal to know 
to question other vaccines, but I always was against the flu vaccine. Number one, in my experience, every time I got the flu vaccine, I got sick. And everyone says, you can't get the flu vaccine or the, the flu from the flu vaccine. It doesn't work that way. It's a dead virus. And I was like, okay, every time I get it, I literally am sick. Um, that means it's working. Okay. Either way, don't have time to get sick. So I stopped doing the flu vaccine. I did get it when I was pregnant. I will be fully transparent. I was scared. They made me scared. I was a new mother. And I also gave it to my baby when, um, I think it was when she was a year old, I gave her the flu vaccine. First and only time we ever had it. Um, 4.4 times risk of infection, relative non-flu infections. Um, so you're going to get sick with something that's not the flu. Um, increased risk four times more if you are vaccinated for the flu. Um, so DTaP mortality so this means death in girls is 10 times more likely in the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated with the DTaP vaccine. DTaP vaccinations were associated with increased infant mortality, even though there was no vaccine-induced herd immunity. When, vac- when unvaccinated controls were normal, children who had not yet been eligible for vaccination, mortality was five times higher in DTaP vaccinated children and it was 10 times higher in girls. So they did all children five times higher risk of mortality. Then they did girls, which was 10 times higher. And then boys was four times higher. So that is like, would you ever, if you think about it this way, would you ever be like, listen, I know that the risk of my baby dying is 10 times higher if they get this shot than if they don't. But my doctor said that they need it because they might get pertussis and die. Like there are other measures that you can take. (sighs) Let's see. Vaccination of preemies increased neurological disorders by 6.6%. So let's also think about premature babies. So they say that the dosing of vaccine is okay to be the same for a 200-pound male as it is for a 6-pound infant. However, now you have a premature baby who has even less of an immune system and they're smaller and less developed. Let's give them vaccines to protect them. Can you see how this makes no sense? And I am getting really fired up about this because I was so thick headed for so long and I was like, vaccines save lives. And I really believed that because I never researched it. I never looked at studies like this. I never looked at what these diseases that we're vaccinating for actually are. Most, the measles, mumps, rubella, that whole situation, chickenpox, it's a self-resolving rash. That's it. So it's, I'm getting fired up because I'm mad that I didn't know this stuff. I am angry that my nursing curriculum didn't teach me this in nursing school. I'm mad that nobody 
opened my eyes to this before I had a child and before she was vaccine injured. So let's talk about vaccination increases the risk of allergic rhinitis by 30%. No, not 30%. I'm sorry. 30 times. 30 times more likely to have allergic rhinitis, which is allergies, regular allergies, 3.1 times higher, ADHD, four times higher, autism, four times higher, eczema, three times higher, learning disability, five times higher, neurodevelopmental disorders, 3.7 times higher. This pilot study of vaccinated and unvaccinated homeschool children, reduced odds of chickenpox and whooping cough were found among the vaccinated as expected, but unexpectedly increased odds were found for many other physician diagnosed conditions, the ones that I just read off. So, okay, we are not having chicken pox and whooping cough. Great. However, we threw away the baby with the bathwater. Now they have all of these issues. Think about too, if you're older, I'm I'm 36, so I was born in the mid-80s. I was a child product of the 90s. Um, I was born when the vaccine... Um, the, the vaccine manufacturers were no longer made to be liable for their products and any um, issues that they caused. Um, I was one of the first children, teenagers, to get the HPV series. Um, I, praise Jesus, did not have super lasting um, implements of that. I did not get um, PCOS or endometriosis or infertility or stuff like that. Um, I did have two miscarriages. But... Um, came out on the other side of that kind of relatively unscathed. So if you are my age, and this is also, this is also a uh, common theme that older people say, I got my childhood vaccines and I'm fine. Okay, Loretta, you have had six vaccines because you're 50 years old. You had six. Do you know how many are on the childhood schedule now? 72, 72 childhood vaccines are on the schedule if you follow schedule. For, for 18 years, it's a flu vaccine every year. It's, um, you know, all of these different things every single year, every few years. Um, you know, now they're adding COVID onto that. And these things are detrimental to your child's health. And I implore you to go do some research on your own and and look at all of these things, read the inserts. Um, Vaccination increases type one diabetes by three times. So this was type one diabetes um, incidents, the identification of clusters of cases of type one diabetes occurring in the consistent temporal patterns Link allowed a link between the homophilius vac- hemophilius vaccine and type 1 diabetes. There are also clusters of cases of type 1 diabetes occurring two to four years post immunization with pertussis, MMR, and BCG. I'm not I'm not knowing what that one is off the top of my head. Anyway, so think about this. You get your you get your MMR when you're 18 months old. And then you're seven, six, and you 
develop type 1 diabetes, because that's around the age bracket that kids usually get developed with that. It's usually 5 to 8 years old. They are not going to, your doctor will not go back and be like, oh, this is probably from a vaccine that they got two to four years ago. Um, And if it's seven, you know, you also are supposed to get your MMR for your school vaccines before you go into kindergarten. So these are things that like the regular medical community will not look at. Um, Polio vaccination, don't even get me started on polio. Don't even. (laughs) Iron lungs, all of the things, I get it. However, the only type of polio that is around now is vaccine-induced polio. And the vaccine was so terrible, I don't know if you know this, but Bill Gates, go figure, Bill Gates and his vaccines, put out this vaccine in India. They kicked him out of the whole entire country and said, do not come back here with your vaccines Absolutely not, because he killed and maimed so many Indian people. Um, So polio vaccines are, you're two and a half times more likely to get type 1 diabetes after a polio vaccine. Let's move along. Raw CDC data. So this is from the CDC. CDC unpublished data, which was obtained by FOIA, which is when... um, It's the um, Freedom of Information Act. Um, So they got this because of the Freedom of Information Act, not because the CDC just put this out there. So the CDC raw data shows that vaccination on time with MMR puts kids at increased odds of autism by 3.64 times. So almost four times more likely. And let's get this. All children um, is one and a half times more likely. Boys is a little bit higher, 1.6 times more likely. Now here's the thing, and I don't want this to turn into a race episode, but I do think that the elite powers that be are trying to um, still get rid of African Americans in whatever way they can, whether you want to admit it or not. It's, um, the, the, the data doesn't lie. So African Americans are two and a half times more likely to have autism after an MMR vaccine, and specifically African-American boys. They are 3.64 times more likely to have autism. And this says, um, so press released in August 2014, this was Dr. William Thompson, CDC senior vaccine safety scientist. He said, I regret that my co-authors and I omitted statistically significant information in our 2004 article published in the journal Pediatrics. The omitted data suggested that African-American males who received the MMR vaccine before 36 months of age were increased risk for autism. The CDC admitted it and they were like, yeah, we didn't put it in our study, but here we are. Um... Thimerosal-containing Hep B series increases odds of autism by 3.39%. HPV vaccine increases the odds of asthma by eight times. Not percent back there. It's times. These are all times, not percentages. Um, So think about this. You get HP, like, 
I had asthma at a, as a child. I don't know. I didn't have the HPV, HPV vaccine at that time. However, I did sort of get rid of my asthma. I sort of naturally grew out of it, I guess. Um, but I remember having an inhaler as a child. And I remember having issues. And then I got the HPV series when I was in high school. And then when I was in college, I was on the swim team and I had to have an inhaler again. And I thought that it was just because, you know, I was playing collegiate sports. I was in a D, like a D class school. Don't think I'm some collegiate athlete. Um, although I am a pretty good swimmer. Um, but I had to have an inhaler when I was in my 20s. I wonder now, I'm literally just coming to terms with this, like, I wonder if it had to do with the HPV vaccine. The world may never know, but I can only speculate. Um, th- here's something else to think about. Thymoserol-containing hepatitis B series increases odds of premature puberty by two times. The results of this study show a dose-dependent association between Increasing organic human growth hormone from this thimerosal-containing hep B vaccine administered within the first six months of life and the long-term risk of the child being diagnosed with premature puberty. Think about how many children you know who have gone through premature puberty. It is normal now for eight and nine-year-olds to start developing breasts having their period. How do you think these kids are getting pregnant when they're 12? Because they've had their period for three and four years. I was 13 years old when I had my period. Like, and that felt early enough to me. Um, I can't imagine, my daughter's six and a half. I cannot imagine having to deal with her having her period in a year and a half when she's eight years old. Um, it, it just blows my mind. And I know that plenty of, plenty of people do that. And it's, um, it, it's terrible. Let's see. MMR vaccine increases the risk of Crohn's disease by three times and ulcerative colitis by two times. How many of y'all had all of your MMR vaccines and you've got gut problems? It, um, uh, here's more hep B vaccines, um, when compared without, Thimerosal, I can't pronounce this stupid word, thimersol, thimersol, thimersol? Listen, I don't pronounce big fancy words. I always, when I was working in medicine, I would literally tell you your drug was whichever one was easier to pronounce because they have all these crazy words. So anyway, you get the idea. Um, Let's see. Highest levels of Thimerserol exposure increases autism risk by 11 times. Like, are you getting the, are you getting the picture here? This is crazy. This is wild. Here, man, it's been so long since I've read these and I'm literally like going through them again. I read them when I first saved them on my phone. Um, Two H1N1 containing influenza vaccines prior to and during pregnancy increases miscarriage odds by 7.7 times. So I got the H1N1 vaccine. Um, I was not awake to vaccines yet, and I was a brand new nurse. Um, It was 2009, I believe, um, when H1N1 came about. And I worked in a really tiny, tiny hospital in the middle of the countryside in upstate New York. And, um, it was a really small place. We were, we did no trauma. Our ICU had like six beds. It was like a 
25 bed unit um, hospital. Our ER was very small. Um, it was not where people came when they, if you were super, super sick and you needed all kinds of stuff, we sent you right on your merry way to a bigger hospital. Um, and I remember when H1N1 happened, there was three young adults who were around my age in their early 20s. I was um, 22, I believe at the time, 22 or 23. And they all came into our hospital and they needed to be like life flighted out because they were dying. Um, and it was from H1N1. So I was like, I don't know what this vaccine has in it. I'll take my chances. And I, and I took it. Um, interestingly enough, um, I had two chemical pregnancies and when I finally got pregnant with Reagan, um, she was actually a twin and the, I only had Reagan. I'll just leave it at that. There was, um, it was spontaneous, um, miscarriage of the one baby. So that is very interesting to me, um, that the, this was done in the same, in the previous year. Um, mine was a couple years spaced out, but they, I mean, we don't know what all this stuff does later on down the line. H1N1 influenza vaccine increases the risk of Bell's palsy, paresthesia, inflammatory bowel disease in high-risk patients. So these are your patients that they're always pushing these vaccines to are the ones that are high risk. They're like, hey, you're at risk to get, you know, these diseases, you should take this vaccine. And these are the ones that it's most detrimental to. Um, HPV vaccine increases odds of memory impairment by 1.23 times and involuntary movement by 1.5 times. Um, my memory isn't the greatest, I will say that. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, here's that word again. The Moserol containing triple hep B series in the first six months increases odds of emotional disturbances by 2.37 times. The results show a significant relationship between mercury exposure from the thimoserol containing childhood vaccines and the subsequent of being an emotional disturbance diagnosis. Isn't it crazy that this whole world, so many people, and I know it's not talked about a lot, but so many people have anxiety, depression, um, ADHD, hyperactivity, adult ADD, all of these things. Is it possible that these are tied back to our vaccines? I think it's possible. I'm, I'm not saying that it 100% is the truth for everybody. Um, there's a lot of things happening, but you know, you pump your body full of metal and we wonder why we're so sick. Um, HPV increases uh, the vaccine, increases the risk of celiac disease by 1.5%. H1N1 and seasonal flu vaccines given during pregnancy increase fetal loss by 11 times. So all these women who got, I don't even know if the H1N1 vaccine is still even out there, um, but the ones who got both H1N1 and seasonal flu in this reporting year where they did from 2008 to 2009 and 2009 to 2010, those two seasons, um, these women were 11 times more likely to have miscarriages and fetal loss. Um, 
Swine flu vaccine in Sweden, the one that they got, increases narcolepsy in children by 25 times. That's wild. That is wild to me. Let's see. How much more of these do we have to go? Um, where are we? Oh, I'm not, I'm not explaining that. That is too much. So first dose of rotavirus, um, increased risk of in, man, into suspication one to eight days, one to seven days after first dose of rotavirus was identified amongst, um, infants in Mexico. So this is basically these kids are still coughing their brains out after they get this rotavirus. Measles vaccination versus measles infections increased odds of allergies by 2.8 times. So if you, you are more likely to develop allergies if you get the measles vaccination versus getting the measles regularly. Oh, let's see. Higher exposure to thimerosal from infant vaccines increases the odds of motor tics by two times and phonic tics by two and a half times in boys. Um, that says the same thing. Delaying the first three DTaP vaccines doses reduces asthma risk by 61%. Among 11,531 children who received at least four doses of DTP, the risk of asthma was reduced to half in the children whose first dose of DTP was delayed by more than two months, and the likelihood of asthma in children with delays in all three doses was 95%. That is insane to me. And I also, I hear this a lot. I get this um, question all of the time about... Um, Delayed vaccination, spacing them out, not doing them all at the same time, um, one at a time. And I implore you to do your research. I don't ever want to tell anybody what is right for your child. I do not give medical advice. Um, I just simply share facts and figures and information and research and data and my experiences and um, my life that I have lived and all of the things that I've seen, I share all of that. I don't want to give anybody medical advice ever. I encourage you to go and find the inserts for all of the vaccines. Research them. Look at all of the studies. Look at what these vaccines can potentially do to your children. Weigh the risks and the benefits. Look at what the disease is. Look at how prevalent it is. Look at how likely your child is to get this disease. Look at what happens if they do get this disease. Um, and then look at the ramifications of the shots. And make a list. Like put a line down a piece of paper and do a pro and a con list. And I will say that every single person that I know that has actually done research on vaccines will never vaccinate their children again. Every single one of them. I have never met somebody who has done the amount of research that I have done on vaccines and still said, yep, that sounds like a good plan for my kid. So I implore you, go do your research. Look at the studies. 
look at the inserts, research it all. You don't have to be a medical professional to research these things. Like you don't need to have a medical background to research medical things. You just need to have a brain in your head. And if you cannot understand a word or the, the studies or whatever you're reading is using big words, we all have smartphones in our pockets. We all have smartphones in our hands. We all have computers. Look up the words that you don't know what they are. You can find the definitions anywhere. So go into this as a researcher and go into this knowing that you're looking for is this right or is this not right for my family and for my children. And please also know to trust your gut, trust your instincts. You have a parental instinct for a reason. You have that mama bear or papa bear instinct because God put that in you to protect your children at all costs. And if we don't know what we're doing to our children, we're not protecting them because we don't know. We don't know the things that we don't know what we don't know. And don't beat yourself up. If you have vaccinated your children and you're coming to and you're like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Because I went through that. I, oh, it's gonna, oh, it's gonna make me cry again. I went through my pictures. I've told this story before, but I went through all of my photos and I had Reagan's vaccine record in my hand and I looked at all the dates and a couple weeks out from all the dates that she got her vaccines and it is so evident that I was poisoning her It is so evident that every problem that she had stemmed from the vaccines and it started at birth. It started at birth when she had vitamin K and hep B and she was not evaluated by a physician until 12 hours after she was born because she was born on a Sunday evening and she had this facial droop and they told me that it was... um, nerve damage because she had been smushed up against the placenta, the placenta wall for so long. Um, and it was just nerve damage. And as you know, she would get checked out by a neurologist and as long as she could feed and she could latch, she would be okay. Retrospectively looking back, once I started realizing that every single time that child had a vaccine, her facial droop would come back. I knew instantly that it happened because of the vaccines that she got at birth. I instantly knew that. And there's nothing that I can do to take it back. I didn't know what I didn't know. But what I do know is God had a purpose for our lives. And he knew that I was going to have this platform to share this information. He knew that having her be injured would wake me up. He knew that I would start researching everything and he knew that I would not keep my mouth shut about it. And I would tell everybody to the ends of the earth my story, what happened with her, what I learned. I would be able to dumb this information down for people who are not medical professionals so that y'all can understand it and go out and save your children. I truly think that was the calling on that God put on my life and he knew that that's what I was here to do. So that's what I've done. Now I'm crying. 
I appreciate you guys. I just, please go research this, share this with anybody you know that has kids, that's pregnant, that doesn't know. Just being open-minded is the best thing that we can do, especially when it comes to our children. Thanks for tuning in. As always, stay uncensored and research everything.